Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of theater, London, Barcelona, tequila, mezcal, and so much more. Today's guest is the amazing Sergio Mendoza Garcia Bueno, the founder of Don Fulano, and we talk about his other amazing mezcal project, The Roombas, featuring many wonderful flavors from different states throughout Mexico. It was a great chat with Sergio. Thank you, JP de Luera. Again, connecting me with an amazing person, this time during the San Antonio Cocktail Conference. Hadn't found the right time to put this interview out until just this week. Tequila week first with Eduardo Orendine of Tequila Rete, and now with Sergio Mendoza Garcia Bueno of Don Fulano. So I hope you guys enjoy this great chat. My first time. First time. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, gonna come last year, but uh, I had to cancel last minute because what, um, something happened. No, uh, it's it's a hard time. No, being yeah. so close to the to the end of the year, and uh, it's like we we started working just last last Monday, so yeah. there's always too much to catch up at this time. No, That's but a good uh, point. Yeah. yeah. How have you liked it so far this year? I've loved it. Uh, I think uh, we're we're gonna. Keep coming. Uh, coming back. Yeah. It's a small event. It has that that feeling of intimacy. There's really good friends, yeah. uh, good people, and uh, yeah, we 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 like it. No? Had the seminar go today with Misty. Very good. Uh, yesterday. Oh, it was yesterday. Yesterday. Sorry, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, very nice. I liked it. Uh, Misty invited me. She she put it together. Yeah. She did a great job. I think. Um, and uh, yeah, I I I. I since she wrote me to invite me, I, I you gotta go, right? I, I gotta go. I said no. And, <laughs> when uh, she asks, you, <laughs> you have to pick up that call. Yeah, and uh, obviously the the the, the theme was uh, sustainability, but I, I really liked how she she put it uh, into perspective with the different pillars of of sustainability. No, yeah. because uh, most of the time when speaking about agave and sustainability. I think there's always the focus towards the agave itself, the plant, right, you know? right. and uh, and it's so much more than that. Actually, I think that the plant itself, even though obviously there's many things to resolve, it's 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 not the main issue because yeah. it's it's just a matter of prospecting, no? Which is hard, right. which is hard because it's a growing industry, um, so it's hard to prospect, and that's. That's why we have the agave crisis, but it's not because there is no land or, or diversity right. of, of, of uh, genetics. No, that can be very easily resolved, in my opinion. Interesting. No? How was the turnout at the class, at the seminar? Good, good amount of very people. good. Yeah, we got one of the large rooms. Uh, oh, good. So it wasn't full, but a very, very good attendance. I think we had around forty-five or fifty, and 
and more than anything, people who were very engaged. You know, we mm. encouraged questions along the seminar, which I think was very good. Yeah, not, uh, let not him interject, right? Le yeah. Let him in, like exactly. No, not not wait to the end, because obviously there's there's things that come up and and uh, so it was a really nice flow. No, That's and very also. Good. Doing it with Misty and with Danny, whom I, I know both uh, well, and what they do, so it it it, it worked out very well. very well. Yeah, what's well, really amazing <laughs> thing? I I'm enamored with tequileros and mescaleros, right? Mm -hmm. I living in Texas, we have a very interesting perspective on plants and very uh, unique one. Mm -hmm. We get to see many of the same agave many of the same kinds of spirits we could be making, you know? So I, f I feel this fondness and kindredness towards fellow distillers, mm -hmm. you know? So you grew up in Guadalajara or did you grow up in another area? No, I grew up in Guadalajara. I was yeah. born in Guadalajara. My family's um, on both sides from Guadalajara. Yeah. Obviously on, on the side of my father is coming from the highland region of okay. Jalisco, no? Los Altos, Los Altos okay. specifically the town of Atotonilco and that's that's the part of my family that uh, that have been agave farmers for many generations, no? farmers before yeah. distillers. No, no? kidding. Yeah. What? Five generation farmers, two generation distillers. distillers. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Is there another practical use for the agave if not to be distilled? Yes, of course. There's many. Well, first of all, there's many kinds of agaves and uh, and many regions. Sure. No? So historically, it's been used for uh, a wide variety of purposes. Food no? for it's one, right? Food, energy, yeah. medicine, energy, uh, the roofings for the houses, yeah. uh, which is not used anymore. But uh, there's there's actually a very interesting project uh, that I was listening uh, about using the agave fibers and the compost with the vinasas to do bricks. To do bricks? bricks? I just heard for, about this for, this morning. For yeah. construction, no? So it's a very brilliant idea. So that's kind of, uh, it, it sounds so innovative and, and it is, no? Yeah. And it's amazing. But um, l we have to keep in mind that that was done Years centuries ago. So ago isn't it no? funny yeah. that we're, we forgot? Yeah. It's like, so now, well, what are we going to do with all of this waste? Exactly. To no, go I'm, backwards mm -hmm. to go to the future exactly and especially because it's it's actually now coming back to the to the theme of uh, sustainability that's one of the main issues in the on the environmental side of sustainability yeah. you know the waste right uh, dumping it in the river exactly right? yeah. there's many like historic practices of just dumping it away and it's not that it's a uh, the vinasas, as we call it, which is a byproduct of, of producing tequila or mezcal, mm. it's, it's still an organic uh, product, but it has a very acidic pH. Mm -hmm. no? So you have to somehow balance it before being able to, to reintegrate it to the Because you field, kill the so. fish, you kill the life, right? The All soil, of this stuff. the fish, the, yeah. It's an incredible thing. So being second, or, or you would be the third generation distiller, Growing up in Guadalajara, did you have other things that you would have rather done professionally? Did you want to be a writer? Did you want to be a scientist? Yes, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, what I studied and another one of my passions and yeah. that I still do is uh, theater. No kidding? Yeah. As so a, a, a writer or an actor? I, I, I studied acting. No kidding. And, but then I also studied directing mm. and, uh, and I've, I've done both. 
I haven't acted in a long time. I've directed, uh, but then I also, obviously, with the tequila business growing and demanding so yeah. much time and traveling, uh, I am still very involved. Although I want to direct again, of course, uh, but amazing. I'm but I'm involved on, in production, no? in production, in different aspects of production. Yeah. Uh, when you think about acting, because I love movies, I love acting, directors as well. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any actors that were particularly influential to you? Well, definitely. I mean, there's uh, obviously my my main focus was theater, no, right. and uh, but which is a little bit different uh, from this perspective of the actor, yeah. uh, theater than movies, no, complete because we we tend to relate them, but. Theater and the film are two very, completely very different, different uh, sure. languages. No, yeah. Uh, the actor, which plays a part in both, uh, it's a very different uh, part. No, right. yeah, uh, yeah. For many reasons, but but uh, in talking about film, I mean that generation of the actor studio uh, in New York, mm. all that school of acting, which uh, which the in turn came from from Russia. Gene Strasberg is that the Lee one? Lee Strasberg, yeah, thank you, thank exactly. You, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, obviously uh, studied with Stanislav Stanislavski in Russia, yeah. and then set up the actor studio. But it was very interesting because it created a whole generation of actors that that in turn created a whole generation of playwrights and That's and right, screenwriters. Yeah. No, so it was a very uh, prolific period. It, no? Brando was Strasberg. Marlon Brando, yeah. for example. Uh, oh, so, so many. Tennessee from Williams, that. is that kind of what you think Tenne- of that one? Tennessee yeah. Williams, without a question. I, I mean, Tennessee Williams wrote uh, the part for so many actors and actresses to become what they were, yeah. no? Like Paul and Newman, like, like Brando. Paul, yeah. Paul New- Newman, uh, Marlon Brando. Richard Burton in Night of the Iguana, yeah, which is then, a great one, yeah. Exactly. Uh, other generations, um, more recent, like Jack Nichols. Yeah. And, but yeah, so... So, so very, a, all that, that school is very influential to exactly. you. Exactly. What do you uh, do with that skill set mm-hmm. in Mexico? How do you make it a career? Well, as I said, I, it's, it's always been... Uh, and I've been... I, there's been times in my life when I've been very active, but um, it's never been a business or anything, yeah. you know? Uh, I've actually invested money to create because theater has a very long tradition in Mexico in another way. But uh, uh, we always say that there's two periods uh, of theater in Mexico. One uh, after the advent of Televisa, which Uh is the big national TV chain. Because before that, there was a big... uh, theatrical tradition in Mexico. Which People is would go to the theater. To the theater people, and, yeah. and, and different traditions of the theater. No? Yeah. Not only the Italian way of theater, no? but uh, like uh, what like kinds of circus and not only circus, but um, I don't know if you're aware with like the tradition of Cantinflas and all these Mexican uh-huh. actors that come from a tradition that it was called Teatro de Carpa. No? Okay. And carpa means tent, no? So it's kind of the tradition of the circus, but but more th- theatrical. Yeah, no? interesting. With, with yeah, we don't, we didn't. Yeah. I don't think we have an equivalent yeah. in the states. Really. There, there was a lot of that um, until obviously Televisa came with such a force and TV and everything that yeah. uh, 
that it kind of killed that, no? Interesting. And right now in Mexico, there's really interesting movements in theater like a and in arts. Yeah. Um, more in other arts, no? In music, for example, where I live in Guadalajara, there's an amazing musical scene and, really? and, and uh, plastic arts, no? There's amazing painters and theater has remained a little bit more in the underground, but yeah. but still there's there's really interesting productions and and, and things going on, but but it doesn't have a lot of diffusion. Or you need to know or, or, or find your way to, to find really nice, yeah. nice things going on. As a matter of fact, I, uh, we just closed it like uh, two years ago, but we ran for like four years a uh, mm. theater, an independent theater in Guadalajara no called the Studio 323, which was an amazing adventure, very fun. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, we were planning to, to get it funded by the arts councils of the city and the state. Uh, and it was taking too long and we just couldn't Could hold it together. Yeah. No, But what it when it lasted, it was very nice. We had companies from France and England That's and amazing. Argentina. And Do you find that being very familiar and entrenched in the arts, mm -hmm. thinking about writing, thinking about acting... The composition of uh, someone's personality. Mm -hmm. Do you? Oh, good, good. What, the water exchange. The water. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that makes a good foundation for being one who can make a spirit? The creative element of it, directing flavors. You know, I, mean, yeah, I don't think it's course, a stretch. Of course not. Uh, there's always uh, bits and pieces of everything you do. No, the popping up in your mind when when doing other things. Yeah. Uh, no, there's there's definitely uh, correlations, no. Um, of course, the having to do with the sensibility and how small things matter in the final product, That's no, right, and the yeah. final results, no. The perf almost like a performance, a, a time and place of the flavor that exactly it'll transform. But if it's good at that moment, it will always be good. Exactly, no, yeah. and obviously you know uh, as a distiller yourself, but uh. There's so much complexity in everything, no? Yeah. In every single, I mean, just to produce tequila or mezcal, we can very easily break it down to five steps, no? But there's so many variables, so, so many, many angles, so yeah. many nuances. Uh, and we're, what we do at Tequileña, and, and obviously you've met Enrique Fonseca. Yeah. Um, Your uncle, which is the yeah. crazy, yeah. I get to meet both of you yeah. guys. Yeah, he's a... Uh, um, I've, I've learned a lot from him, especially very specifically on, on the side of production yeah. and, and everything from the fields, not even only the distillery aspect, but uh, when to plant, no? the faces when of the plant. moon, when to harvest, why. Uh, he's a wise man, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and he loves his fields. No? Yeah. He's, he's, um, he always says, and, and I believe to be true, that a uh, great tequila begins in the fields no? absolutely um, and then obviously when you take that to the distillery the fermentation i mean from cooking no how do oh, you yeah. cook for how long how long you let it sit sit before right before the you extraction add no absolutely. Uh, the yeast the yeast open air you're gonna fermentation add yeast? fermentation obviously being one of the the milestones of production right. no? um and it's a paradox because fermentation, like we always say, great tequila is made in fermentation, yeah. but 
as a paradox, it's the only part of the process where once it starts, uh -huh. you can only hope for the best. You hope for no? the best. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. right? Yeah. There's, there's so much. You can't negotiate with you yeast. You cannot negotiate. Like, with no, yeast. no, guys, can you just? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna bring in some new yeast. Exactly. Go ahead and walk off. Yeah. Never fucking Never. gonna happen. Never. Ever. Did you ever feel as that transition? What, or rather, what did that transition look like from the creative side of yourself to being a tequila producer? Did you feel obligated? Did you feel like the family kind of pushed you? No, into it? not at all. Actually, um, it was a very natural thing because obviously, and it was a, a fact. It was many things uh, coming together. No, I, I obviously grew up in the agave fields. One of the fondest, the, the more vivid memories that I have is uh, sitting in long tables in the highlands of Jalisco yeah. in a Totonilco with all my family, which is a big family. <laughs> yeah. And um, and just sitting surrounded by agave, by agave fields uh, and, and the food and the tequila always flowing. You know, at this time, only one of, of one member of the family, which is Enrique, whom yeah. you met, was the only distiller, no? And, really? And, and, and it was in the very early stages when I was very young. Um, but but a lot, many more members of my family were agave farmers, no? Right. So so they, they were so supposed the to agave was it. there, and the tequila, and I I remember like uh, my family being fond of other tequilas, no? Because yeah. that was a, a a tradition that was just starting. Um, but then I, I grew up, uh, I lived in Guadalajara, then I, I, I moved for a year to study in California, and then oh, I we're went in to in San Diego, oh, Southern California. Very cool, yeah. On the other side of my family, from my mother's side, uh, uh -huh. my grandparents lived in, in, in San Diego. So I, Amazing. I went there for, for a year in high school. And, uh, and then being in California, I decided to go travel for a summer. Mm -hmm. To London and to Europe wow, in general, man. no. For it, I was gonna come back after the summer to to keep my my studies right. and everything, and that that summer ended up being six years in Europe, no. You, you uh, spent six years. I, in I stayed what there. What were you in, doing? Uh, just uh, I kept. Uh, I, that's where where I started to to take art courses yeah. and study different things that were uh, that I that I liked, no. And and I was working and studying and traveling a lot uh, in Europe and in Asia. That's amazing. And there, obviously, uh, I, I got to know the hospitality industry, no? And, yeah. I, and tequila at that time, it, uh, we're talking about 1997. Not a good uh, state for tequila, No, right? I mean, and in Europe, you saw tequila and people knew tequila, obviously, yeah. with not a great reputation and the brands that use obviously Cuervo very established but I also I remember products like Black Death tequila <laughs> and, uh, and started making all these connections no but then I I met Tomas Estes for example yeah. for the first time there and and I started seeing how certain people were talking so fondly about tequila no mm. and and I I started like seeing it happen no seeing what I knew cool. so well from yeah. back home that it that it was meant to to be known yeah. no, uh, to be greater to be greater yeah. and to yeah. be known for what it is and not for what it people thought it was yeah. no? so 
I, I was studying art, so I, I kept on doing what I like. And, and then very naturally, when I got back, uh, I started uh, linking and appreciating more what my family did. No? Right. Uh, that, that happens, right, when we get older, that exactly. we start appreciating our family exactly. and the work that they do more than when we're a Ex- kid. Exactly. And, uh, and then connecting as well with the world of spirits, no? yeah. of um, living in Europe with the amazing tradition yeah. of wine and spirits. Yeah, and, yeah. and I saw a very strong correlation of this with what, what we do. So when I went back to, me- to live in Mexico, I... I linked again with my family, and uh, I, I started creating Don Fulano Tequila. No, that's amazing. Uh, what, did you, when you think about flavor and your perspective, what did you want to bring to the brand? Yeah, I mean, uh, the the flavors. One of the things that we were talking ab- about, uh, Enrique Fonseca. By this time, he had already developed, uh, and and he took. He always talks about how long it took for him to to get things running and really understanding yeah, yeah. his distillery and making products and all the variables of his products and everything. So he's still today well known for for having such a collection of tequilas. No? And yeah. by collection, I mean of different styles, different sorts, different nuances. Right, right. So that was a very interesting thing to do, no? to start playing with those, to create the profile of Don Fulano because... At this time, the biggest or most well-known product that was being produced by Enrique was Pura Sangre, Pura Sangre. an amazing product. No, yeah. I remember growing up, uh, me and my friends used to go, and because my father had cases always of Pura yeah, Sangre, yeah. and we and it wasn't a very big or super well-known brand in in, in Mexico because right. it was very new. But we we would go and steal bottles and. Uh, <laughs> And, and, the, it, and it was delicious, right? I think we did a great marketing just w- among friends. Yeah. And it was an amazing, it is an amazing product, Pura Sangre, no? But with, uh, with Don Fulano, we looked for an entirely different profile. And, and that's, that's one of the things that Tequileña has, that it has, um, if you try the brands that we do side by side, mm-hmm. they're... They're siblings, they're brothers right, and sisters, right. but, but they're right? completely unique and different. No, they're, We're not bottling like, anything yeah. uh, in, this, in two different bottles. No? It's much like every brother and sister, right? Exactly. They're so similar, but the difference is what makes them them. Exactly. Yeah. So, so this, this, the process came very naturally. No, I, 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 the development of the brand and then getting more into production and, and learning a lot from especially Enrique yeah. on the side of production, but then from a lot of people on the side of, of the market and the industry. And, uh, and, and um, I, it, it is really something that I, I love to do. No? And when, I did think the, when did the brand f- uh, first take shape and kind of you have your first bottle? The first of bottle uh, was in November 2002. Oh my gosh! So it's that long. That's this crazy. year. This year we're celebrating the 15th anniversary of Don Fulano. That's no? amazing. We're, we're planning some events along uh, along the year. Obviously, November being like we're we're planning to do a big celebration yeah. and. Uh, but yeah, it's been 15 years. That's so amazing, man! Congratulations a, on that. Thank you very much. It's been a, a long ride. Does it? feel like in the day-to-day of making the tequila of working 
the brand, you still get to flex those creative muscles? Yeah, of course, because it's an ongoing process. I mean, every single batch that we do and uh, and then every once in a while we go fully into the into the product and, yeah. and redefine things. I mean, they're, they're it's incredible. you know, as a distiller, they're they're alive. No, you cannot just do something and 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 it's just gonna keep on going. No, yeah, you have right. to keep producing and and keep looking and and that's something really nice when. I have a collection of Don Fulano of every single bottling that we've done. A library. And if you yeah. open a couple bottles from different uh, times, there's so much richness in diversity. No, it's not like, oh, we created Don Fulano and it's already done. No, yeah. it's, there, it's, it's always living like, and breathing. Yeah, exactly. That's you know? amazing. So you develop this brand, you develop this flavor, you're 15 years in. Why do more? So you start working with the mezcal, yeah, as well. What? How does that come to be? Was there more creative muscles that needed to be flexed? Again, again, that came very naturally because uh, obviously, getting into this process of, of tequila and learning everything about it uh, awakened a, a, an, an interest into yeah. all things agave, no and. Um, Started to start. I started to travel in Mexico, especially to Oaxaca, and see what they were doing over there, and uh, and falling in love. No, just with, I, I, I realized fully, not intellectually, because that I already knew, and I actually always kept saying, oh, tequila is a mezcal, and it's a, the original name is vino de mezcal, but right. I, but that was intellectually. No, I, I started starting to travel in Mexico I realized fully like that tequila was a mezcal no? and that there w- not only that but that there was an amazing richness of mezcal being produced all over Mexico no? yeah. and tequila just had the the fortune and timing and everything to the become popularity the, absolutely the, the most well-known uh, mezcal no but um so I started with uh, I have a very good friend and now partner which is Esteban he he had already been working with uh, a lot of producers, specifically in the state of Jalisco, okay. to create La Venenosa. Oh, Venenosa. Uh, JP, now, so JP and I, this is the conduit where we're getting, getting to talk, Sergio. <laughs> Venenosa is an amazing race. Yeah, yeah of course. It, is, oh, deli- of course. it is. You listen to a lot of music? Yeah. To me, it's like the Frank Zappa. <laughs> it's so strange and yeah. so like funky, but it's like, I can't stop listening yeah. to it, you know? It is, no? So... I, I was producing tequila. Esteban was already uh, well into his project of La Venenosa, and we always sat and talked, and and it was a very natural extension. No, yeah. we wanted to do uh, a little bit of what he was doing in the state of Jalisco, but in Mexico. Bigger. No, yeah, so yeah. the idea was very simple: uh, mezcal from different regions that represented every region, just to showcase how much diversity. No, we didn't want to go to the very exotic things. We wanted to represent the most common products of, of our region, no? yeah, with yeah. their most uh, used agaves. And uh, what what would be the language of each of those areas, right? The most common exactly, thing. Exactly. The, Give the, me a well the, beer, exactly right? Exactly that idea. No, a simple, accessible product. No, mm. obviously, at this mezcal had already. 
been uh, growing and a lot into the very expensive bottlings and there was a lot of that no but but we also wanted to show that mezcal can also be very simple and yeah. accessible and and, pro and deep and rich no so wow. the rumbes uh, was born there obviously we started with oaxaca being the epicenter sure. of, of what we know of about mes or as mezcal but from there we started exploring very amazing territories no? and it's been quite an adventure just working with so many producers so many people yeah. so many different methods of production how they they do everything depending on where they live no That's the right, surroundings yeah. for example san luis potosi is such an amazing product because it's in the middle of the desert no so you think how do they do mezcal in the desert right because no water you, right water is one thing but also think about wood no how oh, right, right how right. do they cook and well this part of mexico the, the desert of san luis potosi has such an amazing vastness of uh, specifically one kind of agave called salmiana crassispina yeah, yeah, yeah. and it grows wild in the desert and it's so abundant that obviously plants like leave their full circle and 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 start decaying and right, they dry right. and they die and then there's more plants coming so they use that same matter like dry plants and dry quiotes for combustion that no? isn't that's so, a, that's um, really really smart it, it's amazing yeah. and and the flavor is so different from from a mezcal from oaxaca or a mezcal from jalisco it's so unique yeah. it's a mezcal from the desert no uh, we we joke that it's an uh agave confit because it's cooked in its own <laughs> but that's uh, just an example you're, you're of Michoacan, clever man, aren't you? <laughs> Zacatecas another amazing state yeah. and, um, and it's been quite an adventure it's very young brand how long has the, the room has been around uh, 2013 so three plus years now yeah but uh, it's already not in huge volumes but it's already available in in three continents in around 10 or 12 markets about how many SKUs or marks do you have we have a, we're very excited this year because we're releasing three new products so oh, cool. so the first uh, period was three products yeah. Oaxaca Michoacan and San Luis Potosí and we're releasing um, Zacatecas Durango and Tamaulipas oh interesting yeah and and we don't want to expand more than that. Uh, that that uh, finishes the circle that we intended to create a selection that represented various or different regions right. of Mexico. No? To, so. to you, do you have something that is you lean towards, one that's a little bit closer to your heart of the six? In, in different periods, of different course. ones. What no, if but you're really, really sad yeah, yeah. <laughs> and brooding and in a creative Oscar <laughs> Wilde kind of mood? What would be the message? Michoacan is one that I'm really, really fond of uh, for many reasons. No, Michoacan is such an amazing state. And yeah. I, I, I've gone to Michoacan all my life. I used to go to, to surf. It has amazing oh, cool. yeah. uh, surf spots and, and, and beaches. Is uh, there a Cupriata? Yeah, 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 the yeah. the number one agave in Michoacan, about eighty percent of the agave they use is cupreata. Uh, they call they call it chino there. Chino, okay. Chino, but but it's a uh, cupreata, no? And and 
as a community, they've done an amazing job. Michoacan is the, not the last state to be added into the DO because Puebla, Puebla is, was yeah. just added. Which is so but, cool. uh, but before Puebla, it was Michoacan in 2012 officially. But we exported the first ever mezcal from Michoacan to really? Australia oh, in 2012. Wow. Uh, and it was a very, very nice process of like everything, even like working with the producers yeah. to, for the certification and, and, and everything. No? But, uh, but Michoacan as a place is amazing. No? The, the place, the culture. The is it safe? This is the thing that as a Texan... Michoacan was not very safe for a long Historically, time. Historically, yeah. no. Michoacan <laughs> yeah. has a has a long history of uh, they're they're rough people, no, yeah. and you can you can feel it. But beautiful people, on the other hand, uh, but yeah, there has been some some history of uh, some of the big organizations of of, uh, of crime in yeah. Mexico oh, yeah. based in Michoacan, no? specifically in one area. But Michoacan is a big state, no. Yeah. It's one area that is known as Tierra Caliente. Okay. Uh, that has had some problems. No? And, and still, I mean, you have to always be careful when you're in Michoacan. But it's, uh, as I say, as a contrast, it's such a beautiful state. Yeah. No? It has everything from forests to lakes and beaches and culture. No? Yeah. The, the Purepecha culture in Michoacan and so many other cultures, the food. The tradition of mezcal, no? I mean, it was just added to the denomination of origin, but they've been producing mezcal for such a long time and in a very unique way. No? They, yeah. they use a method of distillation in Michoacan that um, it's not an Arabic origin. No? It comes from a, a nation origin. Filipino, right? Philippine, yeah. but, but it's not the same Philippine style that they use, for example, in Jalisco right. or in parts of Oaxaca. Yeah. This is a bit of a hybrid where they do kind of like a barrel-looking thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that acts as a steel, but it's internal condensation. Huh? Uh, yeah, I've seen it, the still, still that Emilio. Emilio Vieira, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that they used for the uh, Ancestral. Yeah. Yeah, which is in Cascawin. Uh, Cascawin right? in Amatitan, yeah. yes. Uh, which is a, it, it, uh, that's a nerdy part of it, but the, that distillation piece yeah. and those kinds of stills, I just want one. <laughs> you know, it's like when my dad gets old, he wants an old Corvette. Yeah. Like when I get I older, want I just want one of like those that. stills. Yeah. yeah, that's that's all that I want, you know. Yeah. Well, so looking at what you talked about with Missy about sustainability, what I overheard you talking with Guillermo downstairs about the price of agave. Yeah. How does the next few years of tequila production look? Is it troubling? I don't think uh, in an alarming way. I mean, the price of the agave is super high right now. Yeah. Uh, this is historic as well. No, this this is a cycle that has happened for so long. Yeah. Uh, and it's just because it's so hard to forecast. No, it's uh, there's. I mean, the industry depends on hundreds of farmers of agave. No, yeah. so and the cycle of the plant is so long that that. At some point, the, there's so much agave that the price drops so much that farmers don't want to plant agave. And they always and have the option, no? Money, they can right? plant yeah. corn or some other crops. Sugar, right? Yeah. So no one plants agave because it's not a good business because the price is so low. So seven, ten years after that, 
there's no agave. So the right. price is so high that everyone wants to plant agave. No? So everyone does plant agave. Yeah. And, and so it, it's, it's, now you have to add to, to those factors a couple of things. No? The growth that the industry has had mm. and also the use of the agave. And, and this is talking specifically of the blue agave in Jalisco, but the, for example, the agave nectar industry. No? Yeah. That's growing huge so big no people so, think it's a good alternative it's healthier for some reason you know yeah i mean and and it is i mean it's it's good that it's growing as an industry just that the forecasts have to like like yeah uh, take has into consideration yeah. that, that there's need of agave for that as well no? so so yeah it's it's definitely a time that uh we're gonna see things happening like some brands disappearing as right. it always happens in these times but uh but i think that the solid brands and the good products and it's it's gonna keep on going how does it affect you it's like it obviously affects your costs right yeah is it i mean of course it does um we have a good advantage here because we are as i say first and foremost agave farmers no ah, so yes. we grow 100 percent of our agave which oh. is very uncommon yeah um so it, that, you, doesn't, that doesn't really affect you does it it i mean it's still the cost is there no yeah. uh, but uh but we we can manage to to have that under control no um so so yeah but but as as the industry as a whole always in these times of, of when this happens is yeah. uh, slight changes no which i think it's it's also good because as i say the strong solid brands are gonna be there no absolutely the guys who just created brands because it was such a great business uh this is the time when they say okay maybe it's not a great business i'm gonna go let's sail <laughs> let's go sail around something for years, yeah. let's create a brand of cookies or something <laughs> 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 something something else something food a sauce of sorts so you have this amazing tequila you have a collection of going to be six mezcales uh from the rumbes mm-hmm. is there something else on the horizon for you too or do you feel like the need to stop you've done enough no i mean there's there's always new things no no, no i mean in in terms of like brands and projects, that's that's what we're doing, and that's enough. No, I, I I really don't intend on on keep on doing things, but what I do uh, as well is I collaborate with a lot of friends, and yeah. and I I love to to visit distilleries and see what people are doing. No, yeah. not only in in tequila or mezcal, or not even in Mexico. No, every time I travel, I, I love to go to to Scotland and, and in England. I was just in the Sipsmith Distillery in oh, London, cool. which yeah. is amazing. No? Uh, but um, in these regards, I'm, I'm a little bit excited. I've been very close to uh, to one of the main families that produce Charanda in Michoacán, again, no? in okay. the state of Michoacán. Yeah. Charanda is a denomination of origin. Uh, the only denomination of origin in Mexico for a spirit that is not agave-based. No? Charanda is a rum, okay. essentially. Yeah. Uh, is it pressed or molasses? That's a very good question. Uh, so, it is... Uh, the. I mean, I, I was going to say the real Charanda, but the reality is that they have historically produced many things. Mm. No, But they, they have, within the, the denomination Charanda, they have one that they call Guarapo, which is 
essentially an agricole rum. No, it's made yeah. Yeah. from the fresh pressing of the of the sugar cane, which is amazing. No, and uh, it was big in Mexico. Again, same story. No, it was big in Mexico for a time. It kind of disappeared. No, um, yeah. very low prices. Very. Uh, cheap rums were being produced. So obviously, there was a couple brands that remain, no? and, and, and these brands, uh, I'm very excited to see that they're coming back again. No? Mm -hmm. Some uh, real charandas, real guarapos, and uh, they're making their way to the U.S. and other markets. I'm helping them a little bit to, to do that because That's amazing, yeah. I love the, their history and the products that they do. No? Mm -hmm. um, so that, for example, I've been working with uh, Ricardo Pico, who was yesterday Sotoles, there uh, yeah. in the Sotoles. He's doing a great job, very similar to what Esteban did with the Raizilla producers. Ah, okay. So I, I always like to, to like know to and to be, to be there, no? but uh, it, they're, they're not my projects. They're just my friends, and, and, and I like to, You're directing. To, to know what they're doing and help them in any way. Yeah, no? but you think about it, like they're the crew in a way yeah. you're directing the act yeah <laughs> maybe back back to the stage right yeah so i've got one other question for you because i love this deep rich influence you have from theater and mm -hmm. from acting mm -hmm. that is paired perfectly with spirits mm -hmm. there's really no surprise that many actors drink yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or that many spirit producers <laughs> are actors you know so think about your favorite place to sip some mezcal let's say and you can have any mezcal you want, and you can have a conversation with anybody living or deceased in the world. Who would you like to sit and have a conversation over mezcal with? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, well, first of all, there's no question that the places where I enjoy mezcal the most is yeah. where they are produced. No, there's Absolutely, nothing yeah. like being, I already talked about San Luis Potosí, being mm -hmm. there in the desert sipping the mezcal because that's where you really understand uh, the the flavors where they're coming from no yeah. and it's amazing how you can relate the flavors of the product with with the scenery no yeah. for example it's, it's almost like a scratch and sniff yeah you, you talked I mean? about emilio vieira for example yeah, sitting yeah. in his terrace with emilio and his father sipping their mezcal uh or with uh, Guadalupe Perez in Sitio, yeah. uh, not too far away from there, in their place. Uh, I think you can't beat that, no? Sipping the mezcal with the producer himself. Yeah. Or with Enrique, my uncle, no? In his ranch in Chapingo, in Los Saltos. Uh, that's where you really feel and understand the product and where it comes from and how it was made. No? Yeah, it's an amazing way to look at it. Yeah. We but... Uh, but all right, so but you got the, it big would swing, be, the big swing. Why not? Amazing if Tennessee Williams, ah, which you mentioned, was yes. next. And I'm not know? feeding that. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, coming from you, right? Of like, course. Yeah. I've, I've staged a couple of Tennessee Williams that's plays. And uh, he's one of my favorite American uh, writers. No? Yeah. Because he didn't only write for the theater, which he did amazingly, but he was really a poet. No? He really I mean, was. Tortured even soul, even his plays, which he, when you read theater yeah. written in a book is hard no i mean people who like to read who don't necessarily do theater usually don't li like to read theater because it's such a rigid structure no right, dialogue yeah. but tennessee williams for example is like a 
like a poem, no? Yeah. It's like so easy and rich to read. Opulent and descriptive. Uh, yeah, amazing. Beautifully tortured characters. Yeah. <laughs> go through so much shit. Exactly. Right? And, and the, the names and the characters and yeah. the, it's just amazing, no? Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that I, I read that right. Yeah. I'm glad that we were both on that <laughs> yeah. same page. Sergio, it's, it's been brilliant chatting, man. And I am so glad that JP <laughs> put us in contact last minute. These are the kinds of things that happened in San Antonio during this conference. What do you have left to do while you're in town? Anything you're looking to check off? I'm in the hands of JP, so I don't know. <laughs> no, we're, we're going to dinner to a place to, tonight called um, Chisme. Chisme. Yeah. Uh, with Guillermo, Sousa, and Stefano, and a few, and enjoy the night, no? I, yeah. I really enjoyed San Antonio. Uh, I've been here only once before, not in the conference, but I've really gotten a very nice sense of the city. Yeah. So just enjoy it. I'm flying back tomorrow, uh, but I hopefully come back, and I would love to visit your distillery. Well, and yeah, maybe, we'll have to hang out. Maybe come do Austin. something together. I would... I would love the opportunity, man. And uh, maybe by the end of the night, JP will be feeding you some Highland Park scotch. Ooh. So we'll see. <laughs> I would love that. Sergio, uh, thanks so much, man. Thank you're you. welcome. Uh, pleasure. Well, there we have it, Mr. Sergio Mendoza Garcia Bueno, the founder of Don Fulano Tequila and working on the Brumbas Mezcal. It's an interesting project, both of them. He's a man of the world, a man of the arts, and it is always beautiful to see when an artist creates this agave spirit and puts it into the bottle, it tastes different. They're not thinking about it. They're feeling it. And that is one of the things that's really, really charming and beautiful about agave spirits is the artfulness and the connection to the people and to the place itself. So it was great sitting down in San Antonio chatting with Sergio, a man of the world, again, a renaissance man. It's beautiful, and I can't wait to taste the Don Fulano tequila. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many times you're thinking, man, my words are just not coming to me this morning, or if you're thinking, I'd like to try the great pre-workout at some point, it might just be slightly better tasting. Please keep dancing.